podcast at WarsportsNow.com. We cover both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. And on the line from the New York Post, we welcome back to the show Kevin Kernan. Kevin, thanks once again for joining us. Oh, it's good to be back with you guys. Anything for Jersey. <laughs> Kevin, I liked how you fanned the uh, flames of uh, baseball fans in, in New York. Blaming the Mets for the uh, possible Red Sox clinching party in the Bronx. Uh, if that happens, could could this be a, a motivator for the Yankees? Possibly. Um, it should be, but you know, there's a the Yankee team's a little funny to me. I don't know if they get motivated the way other when you think back to the uh, other Yankee teams in the past. And I think I think that's one of the reasons why they brought back Aaron Judge early because. Um, they wanted to get his leadership in a playing capacity, even if he's not hitting yet, in the dugout. So I think the Yankees have some issues. I, I've talked about their issues. At, at the break, I wrote that it's going to be a, it's not going to be a great second half for the Yankees. And I think everything I've written has come true. And uh, as for fanning the Flames, the Mets, um, you know, the fact that they can't win even a game with DeGrom and a man where he holds the highest off, you know, at the time the Red Sox had 796 runs, the most in baseball. Okay, he gives up three runs in one inning, but he holds them, and they can't even, against a bullpen game from the Red Sox, they can't even score four runs to, to kind of maybe make it uh, that they won't they won't clinch in New York. And, and the Mets, you know, the Mets, uh, just so many issues there. And they need to uh, really find a leader that can um, uh, get them going in the right baseball direction. Yeah, I don't know that we have enough time to cover all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. we don't. But but we will get back to that, Kevin. But I do want to touch upon the Yankees a little bit. And, you know, uh, you're right. They have holes. They have issues. There's no question about it. But I wonder how much of what we're seeing is a result of some problems and some holes or just the fact that, there was a point when it was obvious they were not going to catch Boston, barring a complete collapse or incredible run on the part of the Yankees, collapse on, on Boston's part. And they were also in no danger of not making the playoffs. And you've been around the game of baseball a long time. It's a very long season. Uh, how much are we seeing that on we, if you will, as a result of, eh, we're going to get there, so why is today so important? Well, there's some of that factor as well. And, uh, you know, I think at, at some point they, and I, I noticed it on a trip, I'm trying to remember where I was, Cleveland, because I don't make all the Yankee trips, but I make a good amount of them. And I think it was in Cleveland uh, before the All-Star break, and and um, Aaron Boone was saying, you know, ah, Boston, Boston wins again. They were, you know, they always win. <laughs> and I think at that point, the Yankees and their players uh, and management said, you know, we're not going to catch these guys. And once you realize you're not going to catch your guys, it gives you, you know, it, it does take away from your, from your, and that, from your competitive level. And that's a dangerous area. Instead of getting fired up to try to catch them, I, I would have, I would have put more of an effort on, I don't care how good Boston is, we want to catch them. And also the Yankees may not be that good. They may be playing over their heads, to be quite frankly. Uh, Frank, uh, one of the problems I have with the Yankees is, um, um, I think they could be okay, but I think they kept themselves. They, they caught themselves a little bit short in the outfield. Some of them was bad luck, Frazier's injury, and things like that. Um, but they're just not. You know, I, again, I just saw the Red Sox. I see the way they're playing. I was in their clubhouse. I was talking to their guys. 
Um, you know, they just have a different attitude at this point. And the funny thing is the Red Sox, you know, and the Yankees, you know, just think if the Yankees, uh, you know, if the Yankees survived the wild card and play the Red Sox, you know, at this point, I think it's almost a toss up. I don't see the Red Sox, even though they swept them up in Boston. I see the, you know, I'm not that thrilled with the Red Sox pitching unless David Price can do what he does. So the Yankees, I think Jay Happ was a great acquisition. I talked to him last week and I told him, I said, if it's me, I'm starting you in the wild card game because you're a professional. You're going to, you know, you may give up a run or two, whatever, but you're going to be right there. You're not going to get uh, flustered. And like Tanaka, who's pitching great, you're not going to give up a three run homer because you leave a, a fastball up and, uh, you know, they're looking for it. So, or Severino, who's kind of like been out of sorts uh, the second half of the season with the Gary Sanchez stuff. So, I do think the Yankees can make it interesting. I'm certainly not saying they're out of it, but I would like to see them just step it up a bit. You know, Kevin, coming into spring training, the talk about the Yankees was their young players. Uh, and Glaber Torres was the one guy that everybody was pointing to. And he has had a very good season so far. But Miguel Andujar has really been uh, almost the team's MVP. I mean, 298, 24 home runs, 83 RBIs. Aside from maybe smoothing out some defensive deficiencies at third base, how good can this kid really be? Well, he has a very aggressive approach. As soon as I saw him, he reminded me of a young Adrian Beltre. The way he uh, attacked the, the uh, hitting zone and the way he slung his throws to first a little bit uh, and, and his mannerisms, so he he could be really good. And I'm not sure he's a third baseman though, and that's the problem. Mm. He still sits back on too many baseballs. Um, and as much as um, you know, as great as he's been, I think there is a situation developing where. The Yankees could miss Todd Frazier in the postseason because Todd Frazier played such a great third base and would made made every play there. Andahar is not that player. Mm. He's, you know, you, you talk if the Yankees let their guard down, you talk to some of them. Um, they'll 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 tell you that uh, you know there's a little bit of apprehension on certain ground balls over there, especially by the pitching staff. So you know how the playoffs are. If you make one mistake at third base, you can be in big trouble. So. That's why in the future, depending on how the offseason goes and everything, I would not be shocked to see Andahar move to the outfield down the road. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But he's a great player. He's come a long way. Uh, I felt bad for him in the middle of the season when it was the trade talk. You know, he'd come in the clubhouse, have his hoodie on, wouldn't take it off. And it was, um, you know, it, it was it was tough for him. But he's... Uh, you know, he, 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 he and Torres give the Yankees a foundation for the future that a lot of teams wish they had. Well, let's move to the playoffs, Kevin. Let's look at a, a Yankee matchup with the A's. And they absolutely have to have the A's come to the Bronx, right? They don't want to go out west. Absolutely. Um, they're scared to death of going out west. Uh, first of all, if you go out west and you survive, then you've got to go 3,000 miles that way, 3,000 miles back to Boston. Play the first two in Boston, and then who knows? So, um, yeah, the A's scare them. The A's are not afraid of the Yankees. The A's, and out there, they have their number. And mm-hmm. even in the Bronx, they, you know, I was at them when they played in the Bronx this year, and and uh, they just seem like a different A's team. You know, um, Chapman and some of the guys they have just great, great players, and uh, they have pitching issues, but who doesn't? And um, Bob Melvin's a great manager. You know, there was a, you know, um, I think he was the kind of guy that was considered through the years by both the Yankees and the Mets as manager. 
and and I would take my chances with Bob in a close game, um, um, as long as he's not getting too much interference from up above. So the A's are a tough nut, and uh, they're, they're playing. Uh, you know, they've almost been on the. They've had to, you know, they've had to produce every game almost this whole second half. So the wild card game to them uh, would be, just be another game, and um, I, I think the A's would run the Yankees out of Oakland if if, if that game were played there. In New York, I think you have a better shot, um, simply because you know it's 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 clown show ballpark, and and any fly ball can become a three run homer. <laughs> that is the that is the truth. Hey, so everybody talks about Oakland, and they've certainly been a pleasant surprise, and they've got that that grind mentality, and everybody talks about the Yankees, and with their whole still a, a decent enough team. Red Sox on this terrific pace, Houston, the defending champs. And nobody talks about the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> I, I think I think of all the teams, and and they're right. They're not the most talented, but to me, they're the team that I would be fearful of the most with their pitching, and uh, just the way they're handled. I mean, what they've got in in the dugout, and what they've got in the bench and on the field. Look out! Indians are going to be the team by I think by the time it's all said and done. Well, I was on another show recently, and I, the Indians might pick to win the pennant. In the American League, I I just think I think a lot like that, Matt. I think, uh, and if if you know if Donaldson is okay, then that really makes a difference there. They were one outfielder short. Ramirez uh, is a great player. Lindor is a great player. Uh, Miller's pitching a little better. I just talked to a Cleveland scout on Sunday. Matter of fact, I had a long conversation with him, um, and uh, he was saying because um, they're already obviously they're scouting Boston and, and everybody else, so. Uh, you know, scouting packs have been sent out already for a month. That these guys are following these teams, and um, and 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 Tito Francona is uh, he's the best manager in the game. And they and I think they learned something from last year. You know, when the Yankees they they basically had the Yankees beat. The Yankees came back from nowhere. So I think they got that lesson. Like, and young players have to get that lesson. Like, hey, it's not over till it's over. Just like they, they you know they say. And uh, I think the Indians would be. And they have a great ballpark, great, great fan base. I think the Indians uh, are, are the best team in the American League right now. You know, Kevin, before we switch uh, our attention to the Mets and the National League, why don't you give us right now who do you think the Cy Young in the American League is and also who is your MVP at the moment? Uh, you know, I've been watching so much. Uh, <laughs> MVP, it's, I would have to go with J.D. Martinez. Mm-hmm. And simply because I think Mookie Betts may be the MVP of the league in some ways, but to me, J.D. Martinez is the MVP of the Red Sox. And as convoluted as my thinking is, without J.D. Martinez doing his thing, the Red Sox don't do their thing, and, and Mookie doesn't. Either one's a great choice. Right. Either one I would have a, not have a problem with. Mm-hmm. I think Jose Ramirez is a, is a, is a third is is a, is a close third. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cy Young, give me the candidates who you think, and uh, let me let me you know who who do you have at the top of your list? Well, uh, in, he, if he could stay in the rotation long enough, I, I think Chris Sale is is you know right at the yeah. top of that list, but. He's been, you know, faulty down the stretch, and he's, you know, pitching these one or two. I mean, you saw him on Sunday when he pitched an inning or so, and then he finishes up in the bullpen. So, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I would really like to see him win it. He's been so good for so many years and has finished, you know, in the top five a million times. So that that would be the guy that I would be pointing at. 
Yeah, he deserves it to some degree. But again, the problem with Sale is, uh, and I don't think it's as bad as as they're making it out to be. The Reds, I think the Red Sox have such a big lead. I think they came to the conclusion that this guy gets worn out every year. Right. And um, especially when I guess, and again, I was there last year when Houston beat them. And um, he gets worn out every year. So by the time the playoffs come, he, he doesn't have a lot left. So I think he's had this shoulder, a little bit of shoulder from my same pitch three innings the other day. I think he's got like a, he's got some crazy uh, 35 inning scoreless streak or something going. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he said, you know, I talked to him after the game and he said he felt great. And, uh, you know, he, you know, he, he went back out to throw. And by the end of this, by the, the way they're, you know, he, he complimented his teammates for how they got such a big lead. They allowed him to get into this postseason uh, mode without wearing himself out. And if this plan works, I think it's great. But the problem for the Red Sox is, um, is do they have enough bullpen? And that, and that, that's where we go. Do they have a bridge to Kimbrel? Um, uh, I know um, that that that's a major issue for the Red Sox. So they're going to need Sale to be really good. And that, like Alex Cora told me, he said, you know what? We get seven innings out of Sale. We'll find a way to get the eighth and ninth done, and and they'll get the ninth done with Kimbrel. But they'll find a way to get the eighth done. They'll probably move Evaldi to the uh, bullpen. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, Sale's as good as anybody in American League. You know the the uh, I've been so focused on the National League, uh, Cy Young. I don't even care about the American League. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Kat, where do you stand on that? The NL Cy Young. Oh, is, it's is, a drop, no question. It's just it's easiest. It's to me, it's a it's a no brainer. And um, um, when you're talking about historic, um, two things here underground. It's historic the ERA and 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 the, the way he's lost game. The, the Mets have lost games that he's pitched well. That would destroy any other pitcher mentally. They would have been done. They would have. They would have been punching the wall. They probably would have had a broken right hand or a broken left hand because the wall they punched. Because uh, don't forget, a lot of Degrom's losses came when the bullpen just gave up huge leads. Not yeah. like you won a two run leads. So, you know, totally snake bit. And so, at some point, uh, any nor you know any 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 kind of pitcher who's not as calm as Degrom and and his focus would have would have snapped. So I think you got two things going with Degrom. He's not only put up the and he's bounced back and put up the incredible numbers. And even against the Red Sox, this is the great thing I love about Degrom. He changes. He, he he whatever he needs that day, he gets. And 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 he saw what the Red Sox were doing. He blew through the uh, first uh, time. Then he saw what they were doing. Uh, you know, he left a fastball there for for. Hall too hot, and he hits a two-run homer. But then he he made another adjustment, and they didn't they didn't they didn't score the rest of the way against them. And uh, you know they weren't firing; the ball was flying that day. That was one of those days of the Red Sox where, you know, if it was the Yankees, there it could have been one of those 12-10 games. Hmm. And uh, but um, Degrom is so good, and you know, you're talking to the guy who wrote the column. I think it was February 15th. 2016, I went down early, talked to DeGrom. At that point, I begged the Mets to extend DeGrom. This is before the 2016 season. This is right after the World Series. 16, 17, 18. So I'm three years ahead of the curve. If they had extended DeGrom there, they would have had him through his career, and 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 the money they're paying him next, that they're going to have to pay him next year would not be close to what they would have paid him if they had extended him. So the Mets... From a front office standpoint, understand he really didn't know anything what they were doing, had no clue of who they had. 
They still have no clue who they have. <laughs> not the and Mets. It's not their front office. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well, yes, it is. Sandy <laughs> Alderson could have gotten it done. Yeah. No, no question. Believe me. Yeah. I know DeGrom. DeGrom is a North Florida kid. He's not going to take – he's not looking for the kind of money that you're uh, – and it's easy. see, that's the other thing. The Mets fans are falling and, 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 and certain uh, you know media types want to blame everything on the ownership. And believe me, the ownership have screwed up. I'm not, I'm not saying they haven't screwed up. But um, everything is not the ownership's fault. Look at all the money that Alderson wasted. Starting with the the left fielder who doesn't want to play baseball, and uh, with the heel injuries, and uh, you know, and you go right through that. Anybody else with that kind of payroll and that kind of pitching staff uh, would have gotten it done if if they had sold the. Uh, you could have sold ownership on, on 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 getting him paid. But I know those, and I again, I'm not just talking about all this. I'm talking to some other people in the front office at the time. Oh no, we have them under control. We want to do bull, bull crap. They didn't know what they had. They had no clue. And he's only such a good kid, and he'll still stay, and he'll probably will stay because he just wants X amount of dollars. And he lives only a couple hours from where they have swing training. That's a big thing in his family. In fact, you can see his kids. They can come down, the whole deal, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so so Mets ownership screwed up, yes, but Sandy Olsen might have been the worst GM in many years well, in baseball. I mean, he, pr- he did provide them cover at the beginning because they were going through that Madoff mess. But I agree. He, you know, he certainly outlived hey, he won his. With, he, won with, he, won with, he won with Omar. Omar's guys. guys, no question. No question. And he got lucky in the Syndergaard trade. And, uh, uh, you know, but and Wheeler, not, we're now seeing. But when you, have a, when you have a value like Beltron, and don't forget there was value in the uh, in, uh, in, um, the knuckleball in the sense of Toronto. Uh, you, you could have came away a lot better. You don't let Murphy walk. You turn Murphy into a first baseman. All your problems are set. There was no vision. No, I, I vision. no, I don't know how Murphy became a pariah. And you're right about R.A. Dickey. But I want to get back to the DeGrom situation. And sure. your, your, your colleague at the Post, Joel Sherman, had an interesting column the other day in which he said, you know, he agrees with the way players are valued and judged now with this modern analytic approach, but that baseball for over a hundred years has had these traditional numbers that now, you know, it kind of puts the past in a different light and just changes how we view things. And it's a dilemma for baseball is what he said, though he is a modern thinker. And here's what I say. I'm kind of in between there as well. A few, maybe a month ago, I did an opinion piece uh, for our website on DeGrom. And I get it. All his other underlying numbers are phenomenal. But how could you win the Cy Young if you are below 500, which I know is not necessarily his fault if the bullpen blows leads and if the team doesn't score runs. But I just can't envision a Cy Young award winner who who didn't pitch under pressure, uh, even though Aaron Nola slowed down a little bit. At least the Phils were in a in, in a pressure cooker. Uh, you know, Scherzer's been very good. I, I I just can't wrap my head around saying, here's our Cy Young Award winner in the National League. He finished 8-10. and 10. I think because of the, uh, you know, I think the, I used to think that way when I was about uh, maybe about 10 years ago. But then once, when, to me, the ERA does not lie. ERA is a much better indicator of, um, of win, than wins and losses or anything else. His ERA is off the charts. And the way he's gotten to that ERA, because I've seen so many of his starts. I mean, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen. Oh, no, he's of so them. consistent. I mean, it, it's it, it's one of those things where I don't even look at. I it, 
to be quite frank, I couldn't tell you how many wins Scherzer has. I couldn't tell you how many wins Nola has. And the way they're ruining the game, and I want to make that clear, because I've been, uh, Joel's finally coming around the way I've been saying it for five, <laughs> ten years. The way they are ruining the game is going to destroy the game. They basically, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's all new kinds of numbers, and they, they just look at numbers. Like, I just saw something today where, well, now they have, you know, they can down in Dominican at the academies. They have this new, uh, the new, uh, the new, new uh, technology to measure, uh, you know, swings, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And I say, okay, that now they'll just take more of the scouts out of the picture. Right. So they've ruined baseball <laughs> to the tenth degree. Uh, ten years from now, there won't be any baseball shows like this or people talking baseball. They'll be talking all numbers. Uh, it's, yeah. it's 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 Kevin. it's the mo- it's a millennial yeah. thing now, yeah. and the game has been ruined. But if you see a great performance, like you still see with Degrom, and you see time and time, and he's going to get thirty starts, don't forget that. Um, uh, he's consistent; he does it every two straight years. Uh, when you see that kind of performance, it's to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. He wins that he wins the Cy Young, and I would be shocked if he doesn't win it because I think there's so many voters now who don't pay any attention to wins and losses. And to your point, no, Kevin, they, they don't. And Felix Hernandez started that. You know, when he was way back. Yeah. But even then, I was with you on Felix Sanita. How can he win? Blah, blah, blah. But uh, again, he's pitching out in Seattle, so I didn't see a lot of his starts at the time. But uh, I think it's a whole different process now. And and again, I, I'm just replacing one stat with another stat, plus I'm looking at what my eyes have seen. And, uh, and to me, if I'm looking at a pitcher, that's the stat that's the most important. How many runs did he let up? Because that's the bottom line with the games. And, they, and and to your point, I think they've tried to devalue runs. You know, and uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, they can't control this, can't control that. It's like uh, it's like it's like McNeil, the second baseman now. McNeil can hit. He can hit against the shift. I wrote about him the other day. And he stayed in the minors all these years because they're trying to push everybody else because they didn't know what they had. So that gets back to back to who's running the show. Sandy Olsen, the people he put in charge and player development, they had no clue how good Jeff McNeil is. Comes up and he's setting a record for the most, basically the highest average for a rookie over this many plate appearances in Mets history. So basically what I'm going to say is very, very concrete, very, very basic, very simple. People running baseball don't know baseball. <laughs> Kevin, you took my next question away. I was going to say, you know, we, pitching is is what the Mets are built on or supposedly built on. They haven't had too many bright spots in the lineup. But Jeff McNeil, as you mentioned, you know, is a he all he did was hit in the minor leagues. He was down there forever. Uh, I think he was a three eleven lifetime hitter in the minor leagues. He comes up. He's at three thirty five now. Is this your everyday second baseman next year? And then also getting back to their minor league system, the situation with Peter Alonso not coming up, and how that kind of got a little ugly with him and his agent. Uh, if you could talk about that a little bit as well. Yeah, he's your everyday second baseman. If they screw this one up, then then you know you'll you'll be seeing. I'll be blowtorching them every day in the post and. Uh, and and he did have some. I will say this: he did have some injury problems in the minors, but those things happen. And here's the other problem, and nobody touches on it: the Mets screwed him up by trying to make him a utility player. It was one of those things like, oh yeah, he can hit, but he's not a great second baseman. Let's make him, you know. And then because everybody thinks there's a, everybody has to have their Ben Zobris when there's only one Ben Zobris who was like 30 years old before he figured out who Ben Zobris was. Mm. Um, 
they tried to make him into Ben Zobris. So now they got a kid who's playing okay second base, put him at third base. You can see he doesn't have the, the quality. All of a sudden he's in the outfield. So they messed up their own player. They didn't give him a chance to change his position. So, so it's classic Mets, classic player. I would fire almost everyone in player development if I were in charge of the Mets. Cause, and uh, they've just done a terrible job. And this year defensively, you know, I, and I know there's some guys that work very hard down there. And and, and Timmy Tuffle has done a good job for them through the years. I love Timmy. He's he, he's really good at what he does in field. But but they don't figure things out. And I'm going to give you one small example. I don't know if you read the column I wrote on on, on uh, McNeil two days ago. If you didn't, make sure you read it. Or, <laughs> and fans listening, make sure you read it because it's got a lot of insight into it. Yes. It's not just another guy blowing numbers out of smoke, you know, because that's, that's what most – the big problem with the with baseball now is a lot of media doesn't know what they're looking at either. So the media that's lost, lost, lost too, for the most part. But I asked Di Sorsini, I said, why, you know, I'm watching him at second base. He's a lot better than we – what have you done to make him better? And he goes, well, and he pointed out how he, you know, he put his hand up a little bit so he's a little closer to the ball, brings him right straight back to the ear. But he said one of the big things was that on making the double play, you know, he, 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 he's got him going, um, he's going, touching the bag with his left foot and then going to the ball with his right foot and, and making that throw. And that's, and in the minor leagues, in the minor leagues, they don't have replay. So McNeil told him, he said, you know, I didn't know how to turn the, sec- the double play in, like a major leaguer because in the minor leagues, I was still doing the old neighborhood play. You get oh, away with it in the minor leagues. So, so this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. <laughs> See, the base, the 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 players, the guys running the show don't know it. Mm-hmm. The guys in charge, and I'm sure there were coaches that saw this and mentioned this to them, but because it wasn't pointed out as a big thing, because you know you have your supervisors who don't know. I want him to work on blah blah blah, and and so and the media doesn't see that. Most media guys wouldn't wouldn't have a clue when Desarcini is explaining that to them. Right. They would say, oh, they'd have to go to uh, you know. Uh, pitch tracks or something or below it to find out what's going on there. But if you think about it, that makes perfect sense. And that's why McNeil's better at now turning the double play. Fundamentals, so Kevin. <laughs> but it all comes back to fundamentals. But knowing what to do with the fundamentals. Yeah. So, and he's also, McNeil has uh, done a nice job too. He's got that little bit of cano ability to throw uh, under his body when he catches the ball deep in the hole. Like they, they, cause they've made every center fielder now a rover. I mean, every second baseman a rover. So you're making a lot of throws from deep seconds. So that's an ability you have to have now. Again, are they looking for that? No, they're still looking for the conventional second baseman. Then they've devalued shortstops. Look at some of the teams that have devalued shortstops. Uh, they don't play them there anymore. And Didi is old-fashioned shortstop, and he saved the Yankees uh, because of who he is. So it's it is a there's a it's a whole scope of things, but that's just part of the problem. Well, I just haven't really watched the Mets because it's been a forgotten season. But you know, took a look at them last weekend going into Fenway. Mm-hmm. You know, Syndergaard just dominates. By the way, we haven't even mentioned Syndergaard. Dominates right. the Sox. They uh, Sox win Saturday, and then I'm thinking the Sox are going to lose this series. There's no way they're going to beat Degrom on Sunday. They figure that out. And and but my thought overall was, my goodness, the Mets have the two best pitchers in baseball, perhaps, and and just get the pieces around it. Three, throw Zach Wheeler in there too, because and this is what I've been saying again. I'm the only one. I'm I'm the lone wolf that has been saying this 
during the trade things, uh, when we talked about the, the trade, the, the deadline and stuff, don't trade any of those pitchers because they're right there. They're right there. They can throw three pitchers at you. And, what, and how did Syndergaard get better? This is amazing. Syndergaard got better because he suddenly started. He suddenly started throwing uh, a second bullpen, which goes back to the Leo, Leo Mazzoni, Atlanta Braves, because that's what Degrom does. Mm-hmm. It goes back to Johnny Saint. Yeah, so it goes back to people who know about pitching and not just you know uh, uh, you know uh, the velocity and what, and what you're throwing. So he's got better command of his pitchers. And I had a scout tell me the other day, former major league pitcher, who knows what he's talking about. He said, you know, Syndergaard is just scratching the surface. He that, that fastball he could use almost all a lot more and still have more success. But uh, so so and he eventually he's going to hopefully figure out so you don't have to do a max effort fastball and every fastball. So so I think with Syndergaard, DeGrom, and, and Wheeler, if they need to get here's what they need to do. The Mets are in the in the playoffs next year if they get a catcher, center fielder, and two bullpen two two really good bullpen pieces. There you go. So I just fixed the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, we all understand why Syndergaard has been straightened out. It's because our good friend uh, and colleague Sal Marinello has told him that he shouldn't be doing squat thrusts with seven manhole covers on either oh, side of the gosh. bar. Right? Yeah, Sal has joke. been banging that drum for a while. But I wanted to get your impressions on uh, the whole David Wright uh, ending here with the Mets. Uh, I know the Red Sox made a nice gesture with him on Sunday. H- how do you see this whole thing coming to an end, if it really is the end? And how would you fit? Where does he sort of fit in the pantheon of great Mets? Oh, he's right up there. And he's, uh, you know, he's come to, I had a talk with him in, in Boston. He's come to his, uh, you know, he just, everybody else knew he was done. He just didn't know it because he can't throw. It's really that simple. And who knows what it goes back to, um, injury, whatever, maybe weightlifting, you know, who knows. The, uh, and Sal's right about all that stuff. It's it, They've gotten away from off-balance training right. and they do, they, they want to be weightlifters and not baseball players. And they're they're already strong enough, and they're still doing. And the other side of that coin too. Here's the second part of that coin, is that 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 they 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 still hit too much. If they would do less hitting, more fundamentals, they'd be better baseball players. But uh, David, I think, will be considered one of the greatest ever Mets on on many different levels. Um, uh, you know, he's he should have his number retired by the organization. Um, I think they will. Um, and and also he was you know he was great to work with all these years. I know I know David from early on. I, I, again, I know baseball, so I picked up how good he was. And I went and did a piece on him in Virginia when he was a kid, uh, just in, young in the Mets organization. And I remember one thing: he was walking down the steps. He was showing me his his, his bedroom. He still lived at home, you know, uh, even though he was a professional player at that time in the off season. And he's got younger brothers. I think just four, four, four of the boys or something. And uh, one of the younger brothers was coming up the steps. He was coming down the steps, and the, the younger brother gave him a forearm shiver to the chest and almost knocked him over as we were walking down. So I said to myself, right then and there, this kid's all right. And that's who he's been. David has been a pro all along. Pedroia went out of his way the other day to, to talk to him, and, and they're kind of similar in many ways. And they make jokes to each other because David is one of the greatest. Uh, he'll. He's one of the greatest trash talkers of all time in my book. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, Pedroia gave him the, uh, the, the number five from the scoreboard at the Green Monster. 
and uh, it was nice to see. So players, we respect players. Yeah. I think eventually David will get back in baseball, uh, and I think he'll take a, a very important role in baseball. I think he's uh, he could be a broadcaster tomorrow. He's got that kind of personality and insight, and and he's he, he's likable. So uh, he could be back in baseball tomorrow. I was kidding. Him. I said, well, he's going to be the next day ride. You know, you're going to be everywhere. <laughs> and he said, he started laughing and said, uh, I don't have, I don't have that, that kind of, you know, I can't do, I don't have that energy to do what he does. Alex, you know, he's, ev- he is everywhere. So, but I would not, nothing would shock me with David. I could see him coming back, uh, running a team, <clears throat> running a team, doing anything uh, needs to be done in the game. And he'd be a great asset for any organization. Hey, Kevin, let's wrap up um, back to the Mets. Your article on uh, umpires and getting the hell out of the way. And, I, you know, oh, I took I'm exception so to the same thing that you took exception. It was amazing. So Todd Frazier hits a walk-off home run against oh. the Marlins. And there's Tom Hallion standing on the plate. And, you know, they're, they're ready to do their celebration. He's sitting there standing on the plate. What Was, was that – it had to be personal. No? I mean, what is that all about? Well, here, let me, let me enlighten you. It's because, and I saw it right that you know, I was in Minnesota with the Yankees, and I'm watching the highlights. I don't know if I saw it live. I didn't see it live. I saw the highlight. And that's the first thing I saw. Now, in the media's defense, that was the day, right? You know, it all happened with Wright. So everybody's, I've been in that situation. They're writing 20 things. So they're not, they're seeing the home run, but they're not seeing it because they're on deadline. And, but I saw it right away. I'm watching the replay. I said, what the hell is Tom Hallian doing? He's standing right on the plate. And then I figured it out. I thought about it for a second. I said, oh, this is a retribution because the umpires can be very, uh, you know, spiteful. Um, and I like umpires. You you know me for many years. I've never, that's probably the first umpire column I've ever written, but I've had enough. <laughs> and um, and um, Hallian was setting a tone for the umpires because they're all mad at Todd because Todd pulled the hidden ball trip. And Todd, uh, when he went into the stands in Dodgers, he, he found the ball scrambling around. That was the kid's ball, a little rubber baseball. And he put it in his glove. And, and I think Mark Wegner was the umpire. And he called him out because he got, he got shielded there. He couldn't see. Honest mistake by an umpire. But the, but the umpires, I'm sure, in their minds, I have no nobody telling me this, but I know this. And Todd, I think, believes this truly, too. Because Todd and I go back to his his, uh, his days at, at, uh, in the uh, Times River uh, Little League, American East. And, um, you know, and um, uh, basically we're so embarrassed by that. Tom Howling is standing on the plate saying, okay, tough guy, <laughs> you want to make, you want to, I'm going to make sure you touch this plate just like, uh, so you don't, so you don't fool us again. But, uh, you know, maybe, you know, he's a, he was just making a statement there mm-hmm. and he's standing on the plate it was ludicrous. Um, he should have been fined immediately. He should have been suspended. Um, and baseball dropped the ball once again. And as I wrote my column, the lead of my column that, the day I wrote about it was that was some home run Tom Hallian hit. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's there to see Tom Hallian step on the plate. He's making yeah. a point. He, he's a, he's he's one of these guys that always wants to be the center of the show. Get off yeah. the feet and all of them. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I believe me, I have friends that are umpires, but I'm tired of a whole bunch of them. Do your job. Stop it so that instant replay has to correct everything because you're so bad at your job. <laughs> you know, we all make yeah. mistakes. Thank God I have a, uh, you know, people that edit my columns and stuff like that because sometimes I'll make a dumb mistake. And uh, we all make mistakes. But get out of the way. Start to be a little bit more humble. 
We're not here to watch yeah. you. And, and and you know what? Right now, you stink. That's yeah. what I say about the Empire State. Well, limited to the big uh, strike three call, and that's about it. You're not that yeah. bit, you're, you're a small part of the show, right? And, and the other thing is, and players are telling me this, and nobody, and again, I have great relationships with players, so they tell me stuff. They're getting more baseballs, um, one, and they, that's how they refer to it, two baseballs out, three baseballs out, off the plate. They're saying they're getting more more strikes called on one, two, and three baseballs off the plate than they've ever wow. had before. And they, mm-hmm. they believe that it's part of baseball uh, manage, upper management getting on the umpires or, or the umpires just yeah. being umpires and being stubborn. But they're trying to – it's their, their version of speeding up the game. And uh, so they're calling balls. You know, wider strikes, way wider. Not even, not even. Uh, you know, back to the days of uh, Maddox strikes and Glavin strikes. But they're they're missing so many calls, and uh, it's really a problem. It's got to be straightened out. I've never getting back to uh, wins and losses. I've never, I've never been one of these. Uh, let's get with the uh, you know the electronic umpire. But I'm actually trying to consider it as long as you can yell at the ump, put a put a, you know put a. Put a brain, put some brain chips in there. You know, we, we the guy can argue back and have the robot argue, and you just argue with a robot. You know, that's the way it should be. Well, Kevin, it's great talking baseball with you. Hope we can have you back on, maybe in the playoffs at some point. Yeah, we'll we'll be all over. So sounds great. Right. Right. More more frequent flyers than anybody who covers the game, Kevin. I would think. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, there's other guys that work harder than me. Believe me. <laughs> all right, Kevin, keep at it. Thanks. Okay, fellas, always good to talk to you. Thank you, Kevin. Kev, thanks very much. All right, that's Kevin Kernan from the New York Post. Always good to get his baseball insights, especially going into the playoffs. And that'll do it for this week's podcast. Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. Check us out on moresportsnow.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And we'll be back next week with plenty more sports talk. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.